The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Bromley Town Church and I hope you've had a reasonably good week. Uh, I don't know what challenges you've had this week, but at least the sun's been shining. So we've had a, a good week as far as that's concerned. This morning we're going to look at just a couple of things. I, I'm not necessarily preaching on a subject. I just want to open up a few uh, comments to you. And the first comment that I really want to bring to you is this. Are these the end times? Are these the end times? I know that uh, with all that's been going on with this coronavirus, that many people are asking, are these the end times? Because we're having uh, unprecedented situations and there's things that people are facing that we've never faced before. So naturally people are asking that. And I would say that there's a lot for us to deal with in this subject. Um, certainly there's been a lot of conspiracy theories that have been going around, um, all about different nations, different peoples, different systems, and people are asking uh, at this time, is this now the time when we're going to have to have receive the mark of the beast, as is mentioned in Revelation 13, and all that sort of thing. And in truth, I don't know the answer to all of those questions. But if you're asking me, are these the end times, then I would certainly say yes. And the reason I would say yes is because of what Paul says in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. Let me read it to you. 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 to 5. Paul says this, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. That's what Paul says. And when I read that and I see the things that are going on in the world around us, then I would say, yes, these are the last days, because we see a number of those factors that Paul has mentioned coming to pass. And even of these days right now, we would say, hey, these are terrible times. So there's a sense in which that is being underlined to us. So I don't think there's any problem in us saying, are these the last days? Yes, I do think these are the last days. But if these are the last days, then one of the things we need to remember, and there's two things particularly that I, I think we need to remember. First of all, this is that we don't know what day Jesus is going to return. So some people are saying, like, oh, this is going to happen, and they're getting terribly worried. Listen, stop. We don't know the exact date or time when Jesus is going to return. Matthew 24 specifically says this, about the day or hour, no one knows. It doesn't say some special people, it says no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So in other words, it's only God the Father himself who knows when Jesus is going to come back. And so we don't know that. So we don't know that, so we need to be prepared. And that's my second point, because that's what Jesus tells us. The charge that Jesus gives to his disciples and to us is this. And we read that again in Matthew 24, verse 44. He says this, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you least expect it. 
you need to be ready. So there's two things we need to particularly remember in these days, and that is that Jesus can come back at any time. Secondly, we need to be ready and ready for him. Uh, so our concern should not necessarily be trying try to worry about what theory is right or how we interpret this or exactly how we go about things, but simply for us to know this, that we need to be ready and we need to be waiting for Jesus' return. The Bible indicates that, that Jesus is coming back for a pure, spotless bride. In Ephesians 5, it says this, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Jesus is coming back for a pure church. And the question I have is, do we see a pure church at this time? Do we see a distinctive church? Is the church really different from the world? Or is the church just a place where people tend to go to a building? Not so much now, as we know. People were going to a building where they'd go on a Sunday morning. That would be identified as the church. Jesus is coming back for a people because we are the church. He's coming back for a people who are made ready for him, who are spotless and pure. Is that what you see in the church at the moment? The question I have is, I'm not entirely sure that it is. But we do know this, whatever we are seeing, we know that we need to be ready and we also know that we don't know when Jesus is going to come back. In the book of Daniel, Daniel is writing and he has a revelation and he has a revelation about various kings and kingdoms that are going to be coming. It's revealed to him, Daniel chapter 10 and 11, it's revealed to him these kings and these kingdoms that are coming and various things that are happening. And it talks about a king who will arise. Daniel chapter 11 verse 31 says this, his armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice. Then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. Now, there are a number of suggestions as to which particular event uh, this referred to. Was it the destruction of the temple in AD 70 by the Romans, when after a few years they set up a temple to Jupiter on its ruins? Or was it the setting up of the statue of Zeus by Antiochus Epiphanes in AD 168? Both of these were actually horrific desecrations of what was the temple. And of course, the temple in Jerusalem, that's what I'm talking about, the temple in Jerusalem was the place where God was living amongst his people. That was the holy place where God was. And now we're seeing these temples being set up to Jupiter or to Zeus. Which of these events did it actually uh, come about? And which, which, which were the events that were actually describing, the, or fulfilling rather, the prophecy that Daniel gave? Now, I don't know the answer to that, and it doesn't matter because what Daniel says in chapter 11, he goes on to say this, Daniel 11 verse 32, but the people, so he's talking about this event happening, but he says, but the people who know their God, they will firmly resist him. Or in the King James, he says, they will do exploits. So whoever this king were coming in, whether it was the Romans or whether it was Epiphanes, whoever it was, it says that the people who know their God, they will rise up against him. And I see this as sometimes we're so worried about the events that are happening that we're forgetting about the key issue. The key issue is this. People need to know their God. That is the key issue. And that's what Daniel was trying to describe to his people. And that's exactly what we're trying to focus on here this morning. We need to be a people who know their God. A people who will do great exploits for him. And that is exactly what we're aiming for. Now let's just stop and reflect for a moment about how well we are doing. Look, when confusion comes, 
How do we handle it? When frustration comes, how do we cope with it? When insecurity comes, how do we handle it? What do we do when everything seems to be going wrong? When everything seems to be out of control? What do we do in those circumstances? Now I know our answers, or the stock answers would be, hey, I go and read the Bible, or I pray, and I'm hoping that that's what we do. But in reality, is that what we do? We may have our quiet time, but are we so connected with God and so understanding of his awesome presence around us that actually that is our natural aptitude, or are we trying to find ourselves uh, taking comfort in other things? And I don't know which place we are in, but I want to encourage us. And I don't want to criticise us, but I want to encourage us because I know how easy it is to go through something like Facebook and just to scroll through or Instagram or just to be playing a game on your phone or just to be continually reading the news or even watching the news on TV or watching a film or something. You're just trying to fill your time up. Are we taking time to know God and to understand him so that he can really help us and so that we can know him. We know that there are the signs of shakings that are going on around us at this time. We don't just want to pass through this time without it having a transforming effect upon our lives. Our cry really needs to be this, God, where we are finding it difficult to connect with you. And whatever those difficulties are, Whatever the things that we're putting in place of trying to seek him, whatever is happening in our lives, we want to cry out to him and say, God, please have mercy upon us and help us because we need you at this time. We need you because we need to move from where we are to a new level of understanding. We want to be a people who are so strong in the days of shaking that people are looking to us and we are able to accomplish things for you, oh God, because we know you. You know, we're talking about the God who created the whole world in seven days. Actually, when I say the whole world, it's not just that. He created the whole universe in seven days. In fact, it wasn't even seven days. It was six days because he took the seventh day as a day, of, day off, a day of rest. Within six days, he's created the universe. If God can do that in six days, what can he do for us? But you see that we know that. And yet there's a question that comes into our mind, which the enemy tends to bring to us. Ah, oh, yeah, but for you, has he really helped you? Has he really helped you? Has he helped you to understand what's going on? Or are you still facing difficulties? And we've got to resist those thoughts that come against us. There are difficulties that come to us. And so because we have difficulties in our lives, it seems that our minds say, therefore, there can't be a God. I mean, we've prayed about this, but nothing seems to have happened. And when the circumstances that are around us don't seem to change, it causes confusion to our minds. Every sort of difficulty can come at us, whether it be marriage problems or teenage problems, or whether you're facing chronic pain or whether you're seeking for a new job or something like that. All these problems and pressures come and we've prayed about them, but they don't seem to disappear. Not the next day, not the next moment. And so therefore we're questioning, can God be really real? But he is real and he is there to help us. We've only got to go back to the Bible and to see some of the characters there and to see the lives that they went through. Look at people like Joseph. Look at people like Elijah. Even look at the Virgin Mary or Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the problems that we went, she went through and the issues that she had to face later on in life as she saw her son growing up. There's people like that. There's people like King David and the issues that he faced of coming up into kingship. Do you not think that he felt, God, where are you? Why aren't you answering my prayers? In fact, you've only got to look back at the Psalms to see, yes, that is how he was thinking. There are pressures that come against us in our minds 
that want to throw us off track. But in these days, we need to be a people who know their God and a people who are secure in him. We need to trust in him and we need to get to that place where we are rock solid in him. The God that created the universe. He is the one who can help us. And we want to keep our eyes fixed on this. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He said, this is what is going to happen. And so we shouldn't be surprised when problems and difficulties come. But Jesus says, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. Let me remind you just how much God loves you. God loves you. He loves you for who you are. He created you for himself. It says all things were created by him and for him. Therefore, God purposed you in the very beginning and caused you to come to pass and to have a life on this earth. He is the one who knows your purpose and your destiny. He is the one who has taken hold of you. Our God is our rock, our fortress, our strong tower. That place that we can run to where we want to find safety. God is faithful. He has promised that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And I know that that's not always how it feels, but we're not talking about our feelings. Our feelings are what we want to rely on at times. But at times like this, we really need to rely on the truth. This is what God has said, and we're holding on to it, even if I don't feel it at the moment. I'm holding on to the fact that he has said he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. God is the lifter of your head and the lover of your soul. He is your strength and your shield. He is the one who will surround you, the one who will protect you, the one who will keep you. He is the lover of your soul. We've got to remember this very fact that when we were lost in our sins, when we were in darkness, in fact the Bible goes it wasn't just darkness we were in, it says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. He came and made us alive. Jesus died for us that we might know forgiveness, that we might know full life with him. He came to give us life. You know what? Ravi Zacharias says this. He says, Jesus came into the world not to make bad people good, but to make dead people live. And that is the truth. It's not just about Jesus came to make us a little bit gooder, to make us a little bit better, to help a few more ladies across the road. Jesus came to change dead lives into alive lives. People who have life, the life, the creative power and life of God living in them. That is what we want. That is what we're expecting to see the church be in these days. A church that is ready, a church that knows their God and is able to do exploits. Remember that God chose you by name. Do you remember the day that you allowed Jesus into your life where you prayed? Maybe just a simple prayer. But that day, that is the day when God came and took hold of you. And he is working on you and continuing to work on you. Right now you might feel like, oh, I've let things go. I've let things drop. Let me encourage you. Return to the Lord. It is time for us to seek him. In fact, that's what the Bible says. It says it's time for us to seek the Lord until he rains down righteousness upon us. That's what it says in, in Hosea chapter 10. Or even in Isaiah 45, 55, I beg your pardon, says this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. The people who know their God will do exploits. You know, finally this morning, I just last week I was reading 
in the Gospels, and I read again the story of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. And it just refreshed me with that, which is a very familiar story, I know, but it refreshed me as I read that story. Jairus, as I say, is a synagogue ruler, so he's in the Jewish community. He has one daughter, and she's 12 years old. I don't know whether that's the only child that he had, or whether the fact that they had some sons and this was the only daughter. But whatever, this little girl, 12-year-old girl, she was special to Jairus and his wife. And they obviously were delighted with her, but now she was sick. And it wasn't just that she was sick, she was dying from the sickness. So there was a real difficulty that they were faced. This little girl that they had cared for, that they loved, she was dying. Now just imagine if that was you. And I think about it in terms of what's going on in the nation. Some families have had people who've gone into hospital and they're feeling so out of control, really, at this time. What can we do? Jairus was feeling out of control. I don't know what to do. He'd obviously heard about Jesus. And that in itself is interesting because as a synagogue ruler, here is Jesus. And Jesus was being spoken of in a bad way by some of the senior religious leaders. They were saying... Is this really the Messiah? No, we don't think we can trust this guy. We don't like what he does on the Sabbath day and things like that. So there was a bit of negativity around Jesus and yet also the people knew that Jesus was doing miracles. Whatever, Jairus got to the point of absolute need for his daughter and he decided, I must humble myself. He humbled himself. He went and found out where Jesus was and he came to Jesus and he says, Jesus, please come to my house and help me because my daughter is dying. Jesus comes with him. And you can imagine the scene. Now Jairus has got to this point. He's excited. At least there's some hope here. And as they're going there, they're going through the busy marketplaces. They're making their way back to Jairus's house. Jesus is stopped on the way by another lady who wants healing. Everything's going on. There's bustle and hustle and all sorts of things. And in the midst of Jesus dealing with this other lady, somebody comes from Jairus's household. And this is what they say. They say to Jairus, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. And you can imagine at that moment, all of the hopes, all of the desires that Jairus had, they were broken. But this is what encourages me, because at that moment, Jesus takes hold of Jairus. And he says to him, Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. So Jesus comes in at that moment when we're at our most broken, at that moment when we're at our most helpless, at that moment when we feel we can't go on. He comes to us and encourages us because he is the one who can take us all the way through. I want to encourage you this week. I want to encourage you to take some time out and to take stock of your life. Where is your life going? What is going on? How connected to God are you? Are you really caught up in all of the things of the world? Things like Facebook, Instagram, all sorts of things. Is your time being occupied with everything to keep you busy, almost so that you don't have to come to God? You need God. We all need God. And I want to encourage you, take time out, make space and come back to God. You may be thinking, well, I don't know what to say. Listen, all you have to say is this, God, please help me. I need you. I need the reality of you. You who are creator, and I see the glory of your creation around me. Come and make yourself known to me afresh. Come and awaken my soul. Come and give me desire and hunger for you. Come and help me. Let me encourage you. This week, make time to return 
And when you return, bring words with you, as Hosea says. Bring words with you and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for the fact that I haven't known you. Forgive me for the fact that I haven't given my time to you. Bring me back into a real, realistic relationship with yourself. Though that I may move away from any form of death, that I may move into the fullness of life that you have for me. May God help you. May God strengthen you. May God encourage you as you seek after him this week. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.